on the block on demand. This is on the block with Brent Axe. If Frank was where we know he can be, we'd be a whole different team. We would. This game would have never been close. I mean, not, none of these games would have been close. You know, he he made every shot this summer. He was phenomenal in the fall, right up until he got hurt. Uh, so we we've got to overcome that. That's Jim Beheim. You knew that already. He's the head coach. He'll join us tomorrow right here on The Block. Presented by Ferron and Son Funeral Home. Some more thoughts on, uh, last thoughts on Northeastern looking ahead to Georgetown. But something he said there last night and some other clips we played and a few more we'll play coming up here uh, really stuck with me last night. Because, look, I don't think Jim Beheim deals in coach speak much. Sometimes coaches say things in code because they just don't want to tell you that. Jim is more apt to say, I'm not going to tell you that, right? That's why we love Uncle Jim. But I think last night there was some legit concern there. Like, for him to come out there and say, we're not where we need to be. And you can look at it and say, now it all kind of came out of the discussion about Frank Howard. Frank Howard recovering from injury. We all said, you know, just a few games ago, right? Oh, when Frank comes back, all will be well. And in some ways it has been. Tyus Battle had a bad game last night, but Tyus Battle was thriving before that. 23 points a game in his last three, 8 of 11 from three-point range. He'll be fine. Like, the games we saw last night are few and far between. He had not only scored two points in a game since his freshman year, and he kind of deferred to O'Shea and and Elijah because they were having great games. But what's missing there, what gets Syracuse to that level of, you know, another clip that Bayheim had last night was about, you know, Frank getting back his shot and getting his offense flowing again because not only was he hitting it before the injury, but if you just planted in what Frank Howard averaged a year ago, 14 points per game, just right there, now you start to see that separation that even though they won by 23 points last night, you just haven't really seen in most games this year. Here's that clip from Beheim about Frank and his offense and how it's needed for him to get that back. I think the really thing is he's got to be able to make a shot. That's really my main concern right now. He's shooting under 20% from the three and the two. That You can't survive on those numbers very long, you know. I mean, it's, he's real, it's a struggle right now for him. It's a struggle to hit shots. It's a struggle to get inside. It's a struggle for him to be comfortable. But he had six assists last night. This team moved the ball certainly the best they have all year in that game last night. And, you know, do the way they run the offense and their style of play. I mean, typically you don't have 20 assists on 26 made field goals. Coming into that game last night, they had averaged less than half of their assists on made field goals. But when you have a good night like that to overcome somebody who's struggling, in this case it was Tyus and Frank again on the offensive end. And, you know, just to touch on this briefly, you got it. Now, Pascal Chuku certainly, you know, put more in the stat sheet than usual. He dunked the ball twice last night. It was the first game he had dunked at all throughout the season, which is incredible to think about. Just given, you know, you're seven foot two, you should be able to dunk or have the opportunity to dunk four or five times a game. But they had to play Marek considerable minutes at the five. And I know a lot of people like that. I hesitate to say smaller lineup because Marek Dolzhai is 6'10", but it's certainly a smaller, quicker lineup, offensive-oriented lineup when he plays the five. Can you make that switch permanent? I don't think you can yet. 
But if you're getting nothing from Pascal and Barama, and at least you got something out of Pascal last night, then you got to think about that. You got to think about what your best lineup is. You certainly got a lot out of O'Shea Brissett last night, and here he is describing what went well in that game. Probably, you know, I just stayed at it, um, you know, attacking the glass every time I saw a shot go up. Um, you know, they weren't keeping me off the board, so, you know, I just tried to, you know, find my spots there and, you know, help my team offensively uh, with the rebounds and defensive rebounds. Brought up that ball movement, 20 assists last night. O'Shea describes that. Coach really wanted us to move the ball, really wanted us to, you know, get it down low to Pascal and Brahman, and, you know, also spread it out to our shooters. Um, you know, I felt like myself and, you know, Marek did a great job in the middle. Um, kicking it out to the open guys, finding um, you know our shooter's buddy, you know was able to get going, and um, you know I feel like Jalen did a great job as well, you know driving the basket, uh, kicking it out or throwing that lob for uh, Pascal. So you know, I feel like it was a, a team effort, and uh, it was definitely something that Coach wanted us to you know emphasize today. We jump back to Bayheim here. This is what he felt O'Shea did well in last night's game: 21 points, 14 rebounds. Well, he was really good in there against his own. It's, there's no blockout guys, so you you know he's good inside and. He gets he gets position and gets up quick and gets it. Um, you know we've got to do more of that with our big guys. So 72 points last night. They win by 23. You know I don't have the clip here queued up, but Jim mentioned at the press conference last night that the defense was good at times, but Northeastern just missed a bunch of shots in the second half. They started out hot. It was another one of those. Oh, here we go. They're hitting threes. They had Jordan Rowland, the kid from West Hill, hitting a few shots. And, you know, that's something that we've seen teams do. Like, they kind of feel each other out for the first seven or eight minutes. And then it's almost like, well, if you can keep this three-point streak up, we wish you luck. Cornell did. A couple other teams did. And then you had to kick it in that next gear in the second part of the second half to pull away. Last night was not the case. You won by 23 points. Yet the concern's still there that, that we've mentioned. Now, let me go broader here. Let me go a little big picture because I think it's a fair question to ask. I think it's a little bit of revisionist history. I think it's a little bit of, you know, the further away you get from childhood, from certain memories, from certain things, the rosier it gets in a lot of ways. Some people, unfortunately, have bad memories of early things in their life, and maybe sometimes those get worse, right? But when we... And this happens all the time, and I'm finding this as I get older, and I'm 40 now, and I I talk to millennials like Seth and younger people, and this week is going to be a perfect example of it with Georgetown. And it it just bewilders me that people don't hear the name Georgetown and just grit their teeth. It bewilders me that if I say the time right now, that there's a certain generation that will not automatically say, and Georgetown still sucks. By the way, it's 512, and you know the rest. That they look at you like, yeah, I've kind of heard about that. You know, my dad told me about that. Or you're just, it. I now know what that's like. I'm like, my daughter is 12, and like, she doesn't, has no concept of it. By the time I was 12, boy, I, I would run out and, and punch Patrick Ewing in, in a very sensitive area if I had the chance, right? UConn became the rivalry. Now it's Duke. If you are a current Syracuse University student, what are you camping out for? You're not camping out for Georgetown tickets. They're probably pretty easy to get. There was a time and a place where you'd run over your grandmother to get tickets to see Georgetown. Now it's the Duke game. And that's I'm not saying that's bad, by the way. I mean, it's better back in my day because Syracuse and Duke have had some amazing games. But as Jim Beheim noted about Georgetown last night and the rivalry, you know, listen, 
they have to be in your league. And we're now at that point where they've got to decide whether to go forward or not. But I don't want to get into that today. I just kind of wanted to bring that up as a reference point to something else. When we think back to pick an era, late 80s, Pearl Washington days, pushing the ball on through even into the 90s, and I don't know where the cutoff is. But people look back on it and say, why can't Syracuse push the ball like they used to? And it becomes a fish story, right? You caught that fish and it was 8 inches and then it's 10 inches. And by the time you tell the story five years later, the thing was 3 feet long. It was a different time in terms of non-conference play. And I think that is the easiest answer to the question. Why can't Syracuse go out there, push tempo, score 85 points a game? And my easy answer is teams are better. The teams you play now are better. I had a guy who was tweeting me last night, and we had a, you know, a, I would call a polite argument if it is such a thing. And he's tweeting at me during the game, and, and Twitter can be Twitter, but I kind of kind of saw where he was coming from, but you also have to be like, dude, they're up by 15 points right now. Like he's tweeting me, they're up by 15 points over Northeastern. They're starting to pull away and, and kind of put the hammer down, knowing what we know, knowing that Frank is not healthy. Knowing, I mean, he's healthy, but certainly his game is off right now mentally. Knowing that Tyus is having a bad night, Elijah O'Shea are kind of, you know, trading off who's the big scorer, defense clamps down. Like, they're doing what they need to do to not only win, but win this game convincingly, which they have not done a lot of in non-conference play. They're up by 15, 17, 18. He's tweeting me like, they should be up more. And he's referencing, back in the day, Syracuse used to run teams like this out of the gym. And, you know, it's hard to do this on Twitter, but I responded a couple times, and I was basically like, okay, well, teams are better now. Northeastern's missing a few key guys here, but the teams that you play in non-conference play like this, by and large, are better. You can't schedule as many cupcakes these days because of your non-conference slate, the way the committee looks at things over four months. Jim Beheim has been telling us for years there's better teams, there's better players that go to these kind of schools. Right, And that's not to excuse it, because there are certain teams that you should blow their doors off if you're Syracuse. So that's the easy answer to that question. But style of play, and uh, you know, our friend Pat in Syracuse, I heard him call the pregame show last night, and I think Danny Shays kind of tried to explain this to him, and Pat wasn't taking no for an answer. I, 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 I should have asked Seth to pull up that call before he we went on the air, because... I could see both sides of it. I mean, Danny Shays on the pregame show was explaining, well, this is why. And Pat was kind of pushing back saying, well, why can't they? Now, in order to be a high-tempo, up-and-down-the-floor type of team, to basically run what the football team does on the court, you have to be aggressive at all times. You have to be aggressive after made three free throws, after free throws, period. You have to chase turnovers. And when the zone defense is working at its best, it can create a lot of turnovers. Think of when... Benajay and Cooney were on top of that zone, and all the turnovers and the possessions, they knocked the other way. Well, right now, at this moment, the defense is still rounding into form. You have to look at your team and say, "Are is this the best team to run that style? And this is not the best team to run that style right now. And again, I think it's a little bit of revisionist. Like not every game back in the day was, you know, 105 to 50. They did play some close games in non I went back and looked at, at a bunch of schedules last night. I'm like, no, there's some close games here. Yeah, they scored a lot more points. The style was more fluid, but, you know, the game changes, and you got to change with it. 
It's not to say you can't go faster, you can't push tempo and try and score more, because there's a lot of teams that do that. But what happens, too, is the other team, when you face a zone defense, when you play Syracuse, what do you do? You throw the ball around, you throw the ball around, you throw the ball around, you do shot clock. So, again, that's where defense comes into play. You cannot be aggressive and get into that high tempo if the other team uses the shot clock and passes the ball around and they're waiting until there's 8, 9, 10 seconds left before they're shooting. Now, teams are taking earlier shots by and large because if you're left off and you're leaving shooters open, they're going to take them now. The thing that's been amazing to me is in kind of this same realm of this conversation so the three-point shot has been around since 1985, 1986, right? Why is it to me we hear so much more about the three-point shot now than we ever have? And I know the answer to that. It's the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors come in, play the style of play. They do everything's based on the three-point shot. Around the three-point line, it spurs a bunch of copycats. And it's like the three-point shot, it's, it's, it's hot again, right? Retro is in. Things from, as we're discussing, back in my day... I saw Billy Owens score 78 points in a half, right? Like the stories get bigger and bigger the more you tell them. I'm telling you, Sherman Douglas climbed up Patrick Ewing, did three flips, and dunked and shattered the backboard. It happened. I saw it. Right? I was there. It did happen. There were 85,000 people at that game. But one thing that I'm really curious about, and I, I don't, I, I know the answer, but everybody doesn't have the roster that they, the Golden State Warriors do. But you have a lot of players that see what they're doing, and that's what they want to do. I brought up O'Shea Brissett. Think of that game at Madison Square Garden. He's firing off nine three pointers. Why? I don't know. NBA three point line is pretty tempting to some of these guys. If you can hit the three and hit it consistently, that's one thing. If you shouldn't be taking that many threes in a game, that's quite another. But that's what players, by and large, want to do now. See, the trick with up-tempo is you got to play a little defense for up-tempo to work. Oh, i got to do that. I thought I just had to run up and down the floor and shoot. No, you got to play defense. you got to create turnovers the other way. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. So I don't know if that satisfies the Pat the Pat and Syracuses of the world. The guy, uh, we'll give him a shout out, last who was tweeting me last night. Or if you're somebody that has watched Syracuse or college basketball in general and said, didn't this game used to move faster? I don't know if that satisfies you, but that's what I see. What do you see? And do you agree with Jim Beheim that they're not where they need to be at this point. We'll discuss that a little bit more coming up. Stay right there. You're on the block. ESPN Radio, and it is presented by, oh, these heavenly words, Chocolate Pizza Company. Who doesn't love to get chocolate pizza or anything from the fine folks at the Chocolate Pizza Company for Christmas? Guaranteed you'll get a smile Christmas gift. That office worker, co-worker that got you a gift, and you're like, oh, man, he got me a gift? Somebody you forgot about, whatever it is, just something for your sweetie. Chocolate Pizza Company's way to go. Back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Hey, hey, you, you. Get into my car. 
Well, how appropriate because On the Block is presented by Burdick BMW. We didn't even plan this. Thanks to uh, Colgate head coach Dan Hunt for joining us. Best of luck to the Raiders. They take on North Dakota State. It's a noon kickoff on Saturday. You should watch that game. You should support Colgate. How about that? A college football playoff. What a concept. You can be a student athlete and play in a playoff for a week and then another week and then another week. Like It's amazing how, and I saw another quote today from the commissioner of the Big 12 who was asked if they were going to expand the playoff to eight games, and he treated it as if, have you found a cure for cancer? Oh, well, we'll discuss it. Maybe we'll figure it out. No, you can do this. They do it at the FCS level and have been doing it at the FCS level for years. And by the way, I don't want a 16-team playoff at the high level. I want eight. It's simple. It would include a team like Georgia. Yes, you won't get to have your dopey TV show every week creating drama, but you know people that say it would ruin the regular season in college football, to that I present you Ohio State and Georgia and Central Florida. Teams that are willing, able, and certainly capable of playing a playoff game in the regular season didn't ruin what they could do in a playoff. One loss, even two in the cases of rare exceptions like Georgia. It ruins the regular season. That is such a load of bunk because of what college football is. The passion. You think Alabama fans and Auburn fans and even now Syracuse fans, that they have a successful program? You're telling me that that ruined the Syracuse football season because they lost three games? Syracuse fans were over the moon this year that they went 9-3, and three, but even the, the teams at a high level. Did you see the Georgia fans hanging on every play, the the pain and the emotion that they were feeling watching, you know, what is essentially, you know, a a fundraiser for the SEC in a conference title game? Do you think they were saying, "Eh, you know, we lost to LSU a few weeks ago, so it didn't matter. We might as well not go. Like The people that have made that case are so dumb. Like, I can't even comprehend. That's just dumb. That you say that. Because of the uniqueness of college football, what every week represents and the passion that football fans have for the teams. Well, if they lose in week three, it doesn't matter. Now, see, it kind of does. Because there's plenty of teams that could be in a playoff, in an eight-team playoff, and it would matter. So don't tell me you can't do it. We're thinking about it. We'll discuss it. Just make it happen. And by the way, you'll make more money. Billion dollars. Maybe quite literally in that sense. There's my daily playoff rant of the day. Let's go to the phones, and then we'll do some hot takes. 437-7644. My man Scooter in Jamesville, on the block, ESPN Radio. Scoot, what's up, man? Living a dream, X-Man. How about yourself? baby. You took my line, Scooter. Come on. That's my line. Well, I hope you you go home and take your nap. Uh, You got got, uh, Mike Hopkins going against my boys from Gonzaga, 11 o'clock tonight. 11 o'clock tonight. (laughs) That might actually be worth a nap because that's a a heck of a match up there. Yeah. Uh, this one, this one footnote because I heard you talking about Georgia and Alabama. One footnote: they played between the championship game last year and, of course, the fundraiser this year. As you're talking about, 100, 120 minutes, right? Georgia led 119 minutes. Uh, both 120 still lost both games. Wow! So figure it. Wow! Yeah. Now, now tell yeah. me that doesn't matter. Now tell me <laughs> nobody wants to watch that. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, it's amazing. But I, I totally agree with you on the, you know, the eight. Eight playoff system, uh, you know. Uh, to me, 
to me, it doesn't make those sense where you win your conference. And I totally agree. I think these are all fundraisers. If the conference title game doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, it's just like in the tournament, you know, for basketball, if, you know, there's an automatic bid that goes to the basketball by winning your tournament. If there wasn't that automatic bid to get to the tournament, you know, you know, I have the conference tournament at the end. I mean, I mean, Washington sitting out there, I guess, it's, you know, I guess they're in the Rose Bowl because they won their conference title. Uh, Georgia and Alabama, we all heard if Alabama lost, they were still going in. So once again, they, you know, they, they didn't really didn't matter that much. So it, it's got to matter to win your conference title. I totally agree. You got your eight games, eight teams, your two wild cards plus. Plus, this is the hard part is is that at least allows you to have the non-power five representative because I don't know how you call this a national title when basically half the teams in Division One are left out, and that's what they are. The non-power five conferences. Represent about half of the half the teams. This is a Power Five championship, and that at least allows you representation. Even and- with eight teams, Scooter, and the thing that Reese Davis said this the other day, and he's absolutely right. This is an exclusive party. This is not exactly an open invitation to find the best team. Even with eight teams, it's right. still kind of an exclusive party that you got to work your way into. But at the very least, a team like Central Florida, you know, instead of instead of discussing whether or not they can beat Alabama. We'll put them on the field. Put them on the field, and we can answer the question instead of having a theory about it. Exactly. And you, you, I think you, you, know, you, you campaign for this, and I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, like I said before, thank God the basketball tournament and for, for college championship isn't as narrow-minded. Or else, or, or else we wouldn't have Larry Bird against Magic Johnson. Because Larry Bird played for... Indiana State. They wouldn't have been invited if this was football. Gonzaga wouldn't have shot the play for the championship against Carolina. Loyola, Loyola Chicago right. wouldn't have been in the Final Four. UMBC beat Virginia. Just put them out there. Let them play. Don't tell me what you think will happen. Let me see what's going to happen. Scoot, always appreciate the call, my friend. That's Scooter in Jamesville. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's do some hot takes. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot it hurts. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. It's brought to you by the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in Central New York. Great place to watch the game. What game? Any game. Whatever game you want, they got it there. Great place to watch Syracuse games. If you're not going to the Georgetown game Saturday, you can watch it at the Press Room Pub. Not too late to book your holiday party. Get on over there. Hang out. Great new spot downtown in historic Herald Square. This was pretty funny. Mark Sanchez was asked at a press conference about, you know, that play. And I just, I'll let you listen to it, but I just love how the reporter knows he's asking a dumb question and he's kind of digging the hole deeper as he goes. Let's listen. Of the uh, things associated in fans' minds when Mark Sanchez's name comes up, there are good things, high draft pick. Sure. The playoff runs with the Jets those two years to the AFC title game. There's also a certain... Fumble uh, in the nationally televised game that I'm not following. <laughs> is is that uh, did that bother you that that would that that comes up still to this day? Do you laugh well, about you, it as you just did? Like is I said, it, what are you going to do? I mean, it was it was a crappy play in a game where we we're getting our butts kicked. 
you know, some low-hanging fruit, so that was an easy reach for you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on, you can give it to me. I can get right back. Come on now. Thick skin in here, huh? No, listen, it's, uh, who cares? It's one, it's one play, and, uh, yeah, you just move on. Um, I prefer to remember the good stuff. You seem like a doomsday or so. <laughs> <laughs> See, it was a great, it was a lighthearted moment, and look, you, you can't follow protocol every time. I certainly break a lot of rules that I teach my students at Syracuse in, in an interviewing class that I teach, right? But in a press conference, don't tell the story, ask a question. But at least we got a great moment out of it. Like, that play is going to haunt Mark Sanchez wherever he goes, whatever. He can win four more Super Bowls, which we know is not going to happen. But no matter what he does... That will be, unfortunately, the play for him that kind of defines his career at this point. It's just going to be attached to him no matter what he does. But to laugh at it, to have a moment with it, to bring it up like that, it was funny. I just, the way the reporter got into it, like, Mark Sanchez knows his resume. Like, he knows what you're doing. Just ask him the question, right? There's so many different ways you could do that. Speaking of the Redskins. That's hot. The Redskins have signed... Josh Johnson, who has not appeared in a National Football League game since 2013. He has started five games in the NFL. Four of those games were in 2009. He will back up Mr. Butt Fumble himself, Mark Sanchez. To which I am not going to campaign for Colin Kaepernick here, but yet another example where Colin Kaepernick's just got to be sitting there like, really? Josh Johnson, okay? I played in a Super Bowl in 2013. He hasn't played in a game since then, right? And look, every time that name comes up, people just get all fiery and huffy and they start, you know, like, it's, it's as I've said, it's the Charlie Brown's teacher thing. No matter what I say from here on out, it becomes wah, 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 wah. You hear what you want to hear, right? But let me just remind you, and let me remind you about two things. One I get why teams don't sign Kaepernick. I just wish they'd admit it. Like Jay Gruden at the press conference the other day when asked about it said, well, he doesn't really fit our scheme. No, actually, he like really fits your scheme. That's what you do. And you got Mark Sanchez out there running it. Well, he doesn't know our terminology. Uh, Josh Johnson hasn't played in the NFL in five years. Do you think he knows your terminology? Like, just come out and say it. We are not going to sign Colin Kaepernick because he would create too much of a distraction and we're going to move on. Let's just be honest about it, right? Like, uh, the, the the excuses, they come up, I'm, I'm washing my hair. We couldn't look at him, right? It just stop. But at the same time, Kaepernick's going to be like, really? That Josh Johnson, Mark Sant, like, how's that working out for you? Like, the Bills actually, the dart hit the bullseye. Like, Matt Barkley won a football game for the Bills. Like, guy hadn't been in the league in, like, three years, comes in and wins a game. Like that actually worked, and they found a backup quarterback that can be there with Josh Allen that you kind of feel good about if Allen has to go out again for whatever reason, injury, or otherwise. Just tell us why you're not signing Kaepernick. It's fine. We get it. By the way, I agree with you. I don't know if this would get me in trouble if I was a general manager. There's a lawsuit out there and everything, so they do have to dance around it. But if I'm the general manager of fill-in-the-blank team, did you guys look at Colin Kaepernick? No, we did not. Why not? Because if I sign Colin Kaepernick, it would be too much of a distraction for this football team. Just be honest about it. Let me just remind you, though, this is a league where Reuben Foster 
was signed by that very football team. You're telling me that didn't create a distraction? We are in a league where Kareem Hunt was on a football team for about six months and became one of the best running backs in the NFL when he probably shouldn't have even been there. I want to talk about distractions and what people bring to the table and what they're willing to tolerate, but they won't touch Kaepernick. I mean, wee bit of hypocrisy here. And again, I understand it. Kaepernick has just become too much of a flamethrower of a discussion that no matter what you do, people are in one corner or the other, and it's going to become Fox News gets on it. It becomes a mainstream thing, and it's just it, it it drowns out. You know, does anybody remember what he was kneeling for? By the way, like nobody even remembers that. But don't tell me it's because he doesn't know your terminology. (laughs) Don't insult my intelligence. Just tell me you don't want the distraction, but then you go and sign Reuben Foster. Like, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Well, he might not even play for this team. Uh Uh-huh. So why'd you sign him? It's incredible. It's incredible how dumb they think we are, right? Give it to me. Dumb. 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line. Is two eight eight zero six four four. More to come. Now we're not going to get back to the days. I remember back in my day when Sherman Douglas scored eighty five points a game. We tend to look kindly on history, right? But I think people are asking fair questions about style of play. What happened to this? Why can't, in this case, Syracuse, but other teams in college basketball, be more up tempo? Like, what happened to the game? And we're seeing it here in Syracuse, and I want to examine that a little bit and examine Jim Beheim's statements about they're not where they need to be. I think we all kind of got the sense that wasn't coach speak. That wasn't just something you say at a press conference because he will often at a press conference say, we have to get better. I will push this team to be better. Like You could tell like he's legit on that. They're not where they need to be on December 5th. Well, what's it going to take for them to get there? We'll discuss that all coming up. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.